What's up, guys? And welcome to the Honest Tattooer Podcast. We fucking love tattoos and we love talking to people that inspire us. So this week we have a special guest, Andy Foe. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, John? Glad to be here. Glad to have you, man. And we have Matt Trion in the building. Hey, how you doing? And as always, John Messa here. And for the people that don't know you, introduce yourself and let us know where you're from, how long you've been tattooing, and what kind of tattoos do you do? Yeah, my name's Andy Foe. I'm from New York. I live in Austin, Texas. I've been tattooing for 12 years. Uh, I have a shop called Upside Tattoo. I'm also a coach and a mentor. Awesome. Dude, so off the bat, I'll tell you that you're probably one of my favorite people to follow right now on Instagram. Thank you. Man. You know, because like uh, I get pumped by your post. If, you know, if you're coaching people, you're the kind of coach that I'd like. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I think part of it is like you have to, you have to be excited for life. And if you're not like, to me, something's off. Like, what's the point of living? You know, so no matter what it is, if it's about tattooing or fitness or something like be excited, be thrilled for something. Yeah. You know, and I'm just thrilled to just be able to like share my story and help people, you know, work through their stuff, whatever it is. Just that is kind of what motivated me to want to do a podcast of like, I'm going to share my story, man. And hopefully somebody finds value in it. And, uh, you know, like the fact that we're making this for and putting it online, you know, it it's going to be around for a long time, yep. you know? And I was like, man, I don't know if you've thought about this. But I was like, one day when your son and daughter are old enough, they'll be able to watch you in this moment in time and tell your stories and tell, you know. That's funny that you said that. I have not thought about that in our instance, but I've heard other people say that about like their YouTube channels. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, that's really cool. But I never really put two and two together. Like we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's how I think of it, because I wish I knew stuff mm -hmm. about my mom and my dad. And for me, this is like an archive for my daughter, my son to see, like if Instagram is still around, if YouTube is still around, they get to hear and see and listen and you know learn from this. Yeah. yeah. So you just kind of document and share along the way. And when I make these videos, it's like, what would I want to say to my younger self? What would I want to encourage my kids to do in the future if they had some sort of trouble or some problem? You know, yeah. And dad goes through shit, too. When did it go from you know, I'm a tattooer to, I want to coach people. So I've always mentored people in tattooing, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I think it started even in like 2014, there's other apprentices or new artists and you're teaching them how to be in the space, how to absorb information, how to observe, how to be a good, you know, peer, you know, another artist in the space. And over time I've just um, helped more and more artists. And I, I think it was maybe 2019, I figured I wanted to just share motivational content online. I was doing cold plunges in my pool and I was, you know, just sharing about, you know, my obstacles and what I was going <laughs> through. And it probably wasn't until about a year or two years ago that I really just wanted to be out there. And as I learned, I had lessons that I wanted to share and I put them out there. More people were asking for help and for guidance. Yeah. So I figured, you know what, like I can do more of this. And last year it was just formal of like, I'm a coach. And it felt weird because the same thing, like I'm a tattoo artist. When you just start out, it's like, well, how do you actually do that? How do you move around? How do you maneuver? And uh, just over time, you just see what people need and you just kind of offer guidance based on that. And you kind of like holding space for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I think like, you know, when it comes to coaches, right? I feel like, you know, you need to find a coach that speaks in, speaks your language, you know? Like if I was, let's say, trying to achieve some kind of like physical goal, like a sweet trainer would not work for me. Like somebody that's going to cuddle me and like, no, like I need more of like a tough love yeah. kind of coaching. Like that's what resonates with me and motivates me. Like somebody that's too like, even like in a, in an apprenticeship way, right? Like if I was a tattooer starting out and I was going to like, just begin this, I wouldn't want to go to the mentor that's going to like cuddle me and like be like, oh no, I want the person like, kind of like haze me a little bit. Cause I, I kind of, I don't know, man, to call it like self-torture, but I feel like it, it does motivate me to want to do better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own preference. I think that in my opinion, I mean, again, it's just, I feel the same way as you do. I think that that little bit of like almost, almost like a military push gets you to that like tough point where it's a little bit, I don't know. I don't know how to even explain it. It's just a little bit more of like, a force to make you like light a fire up your ass and really make you hustle. Whereas if like, you're just like, you're saying like cuddled and you might get there, but it might take a longer time to get to the spot that the other guy is going to, you know, kick you in the ass and get you there quicker. Well, let me ask, like, how did you grow up? Like, what were your parents like? Were they that way where they were 
encouraging you, kind of kicking your ass sometimes to get you going? No, um, but it wasn't the opposite either. Like, so I was the youngest of five kids and the gap between me and my oldest brother is 19 years. By time, and this is the way that I always perceived it. By the time that my mom got to raising me, she was just like, I'm so over it. You figure it out on your own. <laughs> and I feel like that's what I did. I feel like, you know, she was a good mother. She provided for me. I had like food and a shelter and a room to go to sleep in every, every, every night. But as far as like the whole motherly and fatherly experience, like I never really had that with them. So I kind of, I, I think that's why I think that having that like boot camp thing works for me. Yeah. The way that you feel motivated by those things. Yeah. And I grew up as a only child. I was a little spoiled for sure. But even in other areas, like even like in school, like I was always like a small kid, you know, I definitely wasn't a cool kid. And it was like maybe around like 11 or 12 when one of my friend's dads showed me the first bodybuilding magazine and it changed my way I looked at anything. And I was like, I want to get huge. <laughs> like I thought it was the coolest shit ever. And that's around the time that I like fell in love with like working out and fitness and all that. And then it was like the quest to my teens to just get big, get, get big yeah. and get strong, yeah. you know? And like, maybe that's my own, like, you know, version of masculinity in my brain, which I've totally broken that. I wear like fucking high heels sometimes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in boots and shit. So like, I'm very comfortable with myself, yeah. but like, uh, I feel like that's why I feel like that resonates with me. And then, you know, starting work and careers and things like that, I always worked better with when my boss was a more like tougher character, yeah. you know, it just, it just pushed me. Yeah. Yeah. I asked that because um, I've noticed that it depends on sometimes how you were raised. And for me, like my dad was a strict disciplinarian, you know, like always hit you if something was wrong, report cards, everything. So I stayed away from people who were like super strict. I didn't, I didn't like any of that. I would just kind of wanted to rebel and just kind of do my own thing. But as I got older, I actually realized that I'm the same way. Yeah. I prefer if someone gave it to me straight, even though I didn't like it, but I took that personally every time someone told me something was wrong or something needed to be fixed because it was just kind of like my dad was yelling at me or my mentors yelling at me, my coaches yelling at me. But it's like, that gets you to like kick into gear and like take it seriously. But there was a period of time where like, I wouldn't mind if somebody was just like, oh sure, just figure it out, do it on your own. But it was like, where's the love? Like, yeah. where's the care to like actually want to see somebody succeed? And as I began to work with more people, I noticed there was just so many different ways of learning and absorbing information that some people, it feels like they want to be coddled, but mm -hmm. in reality, that's not helpful at all. No. You know, like you feel like you're being compassionate to them, but it's actually doing them more of a, more of a disservice. So then you have to like apply a little bit of compression where you're just like yeah. really helping them like get their shit together. And then they may not like it, but it's good for them. They get to, to know what they need to fix sooner than later. So coming from, I had two dogs before I had two kids. So there was a lot of reading about positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and you know which one works better. And studies will always tell you that positive reinforcement works better. I don't see it that way. Like, I always think like, <laughs> yeah, like, my dog shit on the floor. You're sticking your nose in it. You're like, yeah. what you did? Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, in back when we were saying like with, uh, there's something I feel like that happens when you're pushed really hard, but pushed to just the limit right before your breaking point, you know? And I'm talking about like your mental breaking point where you feel like, oh my God, this is so hard. But like, you, you don't want to break to the point that you have like a total like breakdown, but you want to get pushed. And I feel like, you know, it, and that can happen. Like if you're in college and you're at towards the end and you got to write your thesis where you're like, man, I haven't slept all week. Cause I've been just doing this and I'm feeling tired, exhausted. Or if you're like, what we were talking about in the military and you're doing like, you want to be a Navy SEAL, this is what's going to take. Like, you're going to have to go through something that only maybe a small percentage of people will mentally make it through. And I feel like pushing those selves. I, I read this book that's called stealing fire. One of my clients, David shout out, you know, he freaking listens to the podcast, but he recommended it to me. And it talks about how many groups, even from Navy seals to people in Silicon Valley will do things together 
And that's something that reminded me of like what you do with your, with your group, you know, like when I see your morning group at six in the morning, yeah. busting down 600 burpees, bro. Uh -huh. I'm like, I'm like, dude, there's some change that's happening when you're with a group of people all going through something that's hard. Yep. That group environment, that group mentality will shape. And you can find that, you know, whether it is in your tattoo shop with like your crew or in, you know, like you're doing with like a group of just like-minded individuals that are like, we're in different places, but we're all in the same mind state. Yeah. So I want to go back and, and ask like, who cares if you break, right? Because like, if you really wanted it, yeah, you'll break, but then you'll find your reason to get back up and keep going. And it's almost like that rite of passage to perhaps some apprenticeships. It's like, who cares if you break? If you can't be here, then don't be here. Yeah. But the ones who break and then they come back, it shows like, man, you've got heart. You really want to be here. And like, as an outsider looking into that, like even if you're watching some of these TV shows or like it's a weight loss challenge or whatever, and you see the people who like, they get really pushed and they're like struggling, but they power through it. Watching that from the outside, I have a lot more respect for those people who got pushed and they, they sacrificed and they did everything that they had to do and made it through than the people who were just like moseying on through it. They still got to the finish line, but they kind of like had it the easy way. Yeah. You don't have the same type of respect for those type of people. It's like, sure. a, it's an underdog story. Like you want to root for that. It's a hero's journey, you know? And if somebody just like mosey, like said mosey through it and just, it's just fine. It's like, what's the big deal? Yeah. But you watch this guy like just get beaten down and he's crawling and he's hurt and he's get back up and he gets hurt again. It's like, that's the person that you want to win. Like he's still going yeah. because at some point you remember going through that sort of struggle anywhere in life also. And it was just like the perseverance, the will to just keep going. Like you earned it, whatever it was, your apprenticeship, your fitness, your Navy SEAL training, like you earned it because yeah. you were willing to just continue to push through no matter what the sacrifice was. Yeah. Straight up, you know, it's like, leave it all on the ground. You know, yeah. you leave it all on the table. You have those, I feel like apprentices go through these moments where I'm sure you go home and you have that cry. Yeah. You're like, I don't know if I'm gonna fucking make this, dude. I don't know if I can afford this. I don't know if I can pay my bills. I don't know if, I've, if I'm even good at this. What am I doing? You yeah. know, you question everything. And yeah. you've, but if you power through that and you just stop looking at the short term pain and outcome and just keep focused on the goal, you will get over that mountain and then be like, okay, yeah, I can breathe. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's like, how bad do you want it? But at the same time, like, I do feel like as someone who's coaching or mentoring, you still want to give guidance along the way. Like there's some apprenticeships where like you're just shitted on the entire time yeah. with no support. And it's like, how is that beneficial at all? You know, to, <clears throat> to at all at any point. But if you're going to mix some of that of like 80%, getting them down, getting them dirty, getting them struggling. But then the 20% is like, you got this, or here's how you do certain things, or here's when you're ready to move to the next phase. Then there's some sort of hope and guidance along the way, rather than just feeling lost. Yeah. You know, but everyone's different when it comes to being a mentor than being an apprentice also. I think that pain with purpose is okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's what, if you go in through pain for no reason at all, that's not good. Yeah. But if you're like, oh man, I'm going through this because of the outcome is worth it. It's fine. Yeah, Deal with that pain. That's the trade off, you know? Yep. It's the juice worth the squeeze. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, when we do those burpees, it's like you can sign off at any time, but by the end of that hour, everyone's just sitting there and it's like, it's just a group of people who are just like giving each other a nod. Like it's, it's, it's respect. You went through 600 burpees. 600 burpees, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's but like, insane. But it's just, <laughs> it's just a mental process. Cause when people look at that overall number, it's like, how did you do that? Yeah. We just do 10 every minute on the minute. And then there's 30 minutes of 30 seconds of work, 30 seconds of rest. And you just break it down that way. And it's really just a guided meditation where we're just teaching people to like, when it's time to do the work, can you get down and do the work when it's time to rest? Can you just stand there and rest, not wipe off the sweat, not move around, not have to adjust anything. And it's like just teaching people to be purposeful and aggressive when needed and being calm during the chaos. So if we can teach them both sides of that, then that's just an analogy for life or whatever else they're going through. Yeah. If someone's about to go off on you, whether it's your kid or your, your partner or your coworker or client, like, can you be calm through all of that? You know? And then when it's time to, to do the work can you just do it, focus and not be distracted. And we, I see it as I'm just watching the camera, as these people do it, like you notice their patterns yeah. and I'm talking to the group and it's not triggering or calling one person out, but you just speak it out and you can just see the people adjust because they know there's certain parts in them that they're not, they're not aware of. Yeah. So we're just building the self-awareness. That's awesome, man. There's such a strong connection between like, uh, 
like the body mind connection of things, you know, like when you're putting your body through that and you're like getting through those, like, uh, whether it is like, um, cold exposure, you know, like doing the ice baths or doing a really hard workout like that, where you like, your mind is telling you like, dude, just stop, yeah. just turn, just sign off, pretend that the internet fell off so you can get on this thing or something, you know, or, uh, or the total opposite when you're like, like, I, like, I love to do the sauna. So I love to do it in a sauna. And there's times when you're in a sauna, when you time yourself and you're like, dude, like this is, I feel like I'm going to die if I stay in here. And you're like, no, you're not going to fucking you're die. You're not going to die. <laughs> you can tap out at any time, but you would know your level of effort. Yeah. If you actually had more to give. And we, we test them all the time in different ways of like, how much more do you actually have to give? So, if, you know, we'll, we'll keep going back to the burpee example. They, they're so exhausted and you just see how slow they are. And we say, hey, this is, a, I don't tell them when the last round is, but hey, the last round, like just do 20 more. And as soon as you're done, you're done. Magically, they have all this energy and they're just pushing <laughs> because they know that they're going to be done. We're like, yeah. why were you reserving your energy for later? Because they think there's going to be another like 40 more minutes left. You know, they don't know when it's going to end, but like, there's just something about that when you have to give more in life, like, are you actually giving your full effort or are you reserving it for, for something else? And it's like, why hold back at any point in life? Yeah, man. Uh, I want to talk about upside tattoo, man, because yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen the pictures of it that you've posted and stuff like that and some in how it looks in some of the videos. It looks different than any tattoo shop I've ever seen. Yeah. What do you see about it? What do you notice? So like, I remember from seeing this, like uh, everything's on the ground, on the, on the ground, kind of like our, our lower level, yeah. you know? And then uh, I remember seeing this one thing where you had kind of like a, almost like in a Japanese tattoo studio. You know, like where you're kind of just on a, I want to say a tatami, but like kind of yeah, like, like that. A, they're jujitsu mat. Yeah, like yeah. a jujitsu mat. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but like, that's kind of what I see. What was the, 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 what motivated you to take that route? Yeah. So I was tattooing on a regular tattoo bed in a chair and I felt inclined to like want to sit on the floor, but most tattoo shops, you don't sit on the floor. Like it's just not that clean. We had another massage table. So we set that up and I was, you know, side by side with the client and I just hopped on and I just sat cross-legged and I was like, this feels comfortable. And I just tattooed like that for a while, but you know, it's a little bit wobbly. You're higher yeah. up. And um, that's before I had my shop. And I was like, I kind of want to tattoo on the ground. And I've seen it, you know, in, in Japanese and Polynesian culture that that's yeah. what they do. And I was like, it's not new, but I wanted to just try that out for myself. So I did that for about a few months and it felt great. Uh, in the beginning, like I was a little bit sore. I had to stretch, but I was like, if these people can do it, they've been doing it for centuries. Like, why can't I do this? And I got more flexible over time. And what I found was clients are more comfortable when it's a little bit lower to the ground. Number one, you don't hop on this chair that's swiveling or, or tipping over. Yeah. Uh, things aren't falling off your pocket and they can just kind of lay there and they feel safe and secure. Mm -hmm. And um, I also liked that my body did get sore in a certain position after time. Most tattoo artists, I don't know how long you work without taking breaks, but they go two, three hours, hunched over, curled, and you're just kind of locked into this position. And then by the time you take a break, everything's just sore. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but your body has this natural alarm where after like 45 minutes, you know, change your position, get up, take a break. You reset your eyes. You look at your tattoos fresh. You sit back down and you feel okay. Yeah. You Every know? hour I make it. Every hour. We get up, stretch out, even mm -hmm. if it's just for a minute or two. That's my thing. Yeah. So I like doing that. Um, not everyone likes sitting on the floor. So we do have some tables and regular chairs, yeah. but I like it. And it's just, it's just the feeling that, that I was after, you know? And, um, one of our slogans is welcome home. I tattooed one client at my house and just the feeling of like having to take your shoes off when you come in mm -hmm. and we have all the food and all the drinks. And it was just like this, this warm, big, bright, open space. I was like, how can I replicate that here? So we have 4,000 square feet, but everything's just so spacious. Yeah. And it just felt open, comfortable, zen. And it's complete opposite of like, I, I like my shop and I also like this too, where there's just so much to look at, but over there, like we have nothing on the walls Yeah, and there's just no TVs. Um, we just have like some plants where like you come in and you just drop your anxiety. Yeah. You're just calm. You're relaxed. There's the smell of the incense and tattooing is this nervous experience. People are permanently marking their body. They're anxious, you know, and when they come in and there's just like, Oh, there's just like a mental relaxation that happens. Mm -hmm. And then we start the day with a group breath work, group gratitude share, and everyone gets to know each other's names. And then when we start, the anxiety is just so low. You have music that's playing. That's like, you know, theta sound waves, just almost like spa music. People I was going to say it. it's like a meditation place. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And 
it's so hard because I worked at different tattoo shops and everyone's fighting for music. Yeah. Everyone wants to listen to different things. And no matter what you listen to, like some things you just can't listen to it all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. Versus this one is just like, it's background noise. It's interesting enough so that you can do the work, but it's also like calm enough where you can just kind of drop into a meditation and more clients are like falling asleep there. Wow. And because they're falling asleep, they're relaxed, less swelling, less redness, less bleeding. And it just makes it easier for me if a client is just like laid out, they're just calm, they're relaxed. And I don't know, I, I, that's just what I envision my head to be. Like I want it to be just calm, clear so that I can focus on the artwork. How many people are in the shop with you? Uh, right now we have four. And everybody obviously is on the same page. They all like that experience. Yeah, so that's, that's like the precursor. You come in, you just know that that's how we function. Yeah. You know, and if they're on board, then great. If not, then it's, it's not the same for you. That's yeah. it. And that's the thing with, that's the beautiful thing in tattooing. You can have all the different flavors that you want, you yeah. know, depending on what type of shop environment that you want to work, or you can do a private studio. This is very specifically, I know this is what I need to work and function. And everyone that wants to work there and have that same sort of vibe and experience, it's, it's welcome for you. Do you feel like that atmosphere encourages the, the style of work that you do or the other artists? Uh, no, every, there's people that do different work. So one guy does more so like anime work. Ashley does uh, realism. They is, you know, he's an apprentice. He's kind of doing anything and everything. So it's open to whatever style of work. Like the way that you're explaining it, I can't imagine like someone like Paul Booth going in there, like tattooing demons. And that's what, that's, you know, it's funny when you were explaining that, I would say I was going to bring up because I've been to a very few shops. They create like a very ambiance you know what i'm saying and like when you went to paul booth's old shop yeah it was like dark smoke machine low (laughs) dude the freaking music was like (laughs) just like things that you all dark except for the light right just right right above it you know which is so funny to me because like sometimes i'll just dim the lights i don't like the lights at full brightness i kind of like it loungy like smooth and then People be like, oh my God, it's so dark. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, it's, they're like, there's light, there's all these lights and you have your light, you know? But I'm like, yeah, man, if you need a tattoo in like a Walgreens, how, I feel like that's so hard on your eyes. That, that is our shop though. <laughs> so I, I, design, I designed it so that I didn't want any lights. I didn't want any wires around. So everyone's wireless. Um, it's bright enough where you don't need any light all the, all the way around. Like your tattoos just lit up. Just all lit way. up everywhere. Yeah. And um I just like that the clean aesthetic. So we try to keep it as minimal as possible within there. Um, the tattoo setup, like if you have ink, the ink is stored in the back and you yeah. have these bins that you can just bring them out in. And nice. a lot of people are doing color in there. You've got these low, what we call altars. So your altars just has, you know, a few things to represent your personality, but you still have drawers underneath. Mm-hmm. But I just like that the focus is always going to be on the client and the artist. There's, there's nothing else to look at other than like, well, what are you getting tattooed today? Yeah. And you just want to go there and just look at that because there's nothing else to look nothing at. Nothing else to look at. Yeah. That's what I thought as soon as you started describing it. I'm like, oh man, that that already sets up such a good, it brings the focus back to the the per, the two people that experience. are there. It's the experience of like our connection is what's, you know, we're the entertainment here. We're going to, our conversation, whatever we like share or just the moment is what's the most interesting thing happening here. That's a hundred percent it. So when they come in, they already know no cell phones, no headphones, no books, no movies. Like oh, you, you are strict. <laughs> you drop in and you connect with you connect with the client and with the artist. And the artist also like no headphones. Like be with these people. Have made appointments with you. They've done their research. They've waited years or months. They've made appointments. They've saved their money. They're here to permanently mark their body. They're going to remember this forever. You know, are you going to be there with them and just like get to know them? This human being that wants you to forever change how they yeah. look. And when we have that experience, like one of the best compliments that we get all the time is like, I can't imagine getting tattooed somewhere else because they had the attention from the artist. And then there's other times where the artist will just put the headphones on, won't say a single word. And it's, it's a transaction. Yeah. So I like where it's more a relational aspect and you get to connect and bond and you don't have to have the conversation, but just take an off day, you know, just get yeah. off your phone, just be here. Like you signed up for this moment, just be here. <laughs> And with that, we find that more people, it's actually less painful. Sometimes what ends up being more painful is what's in here. It's like the conversations that they're having is more deeper. It's, it's beyond the surface level stuff. Yeah. You know, so now that they can connect and it's more like a family environment and they just come back and it's like everyone hugs on their way in, everyone hugs on the way out. And it's like, it's a great environment for me. That's awesome, man. That can be achieved in many different ways, but you're creating an environment that pushes people into that experience, you know? 
just because like I've always thought that one of the best parts about getting tattooed or tattooing someone is that exchange of like that relationship that's built, like this moment that's happening, you're being marked for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're always going to remember this day, even if I don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but you're still always going to remember this. So let's make this memorable. You yeah. Know? It came from the idea of like, as tattoo artists, we forget that we do this for a living every day. So it's just like, oh, it's in, it's out. It's just it's another day. But this person, how often have they gotten tattooed? Yeah. And they pick you to be yeah. their artist. And they're just so excited. They come in and it's like, you have an off day. You just don't care. It's another tattoo for you. And it's like, I want to get rid of that. Yeah. And I understand, I understand that that's not the environment for everybody when it comes yeah. to clients or even for artists, like it's not the space for them to work, but that's why we put everything out in the front so that you either vibe with us and this is where you want to go. And some people say like, I've been looking for this kind of place. Then other people go like, this is just too weird. <laughs> I feel that way too. Like I'm in the middle of like doing a tattoo and I'm looking around I'm like, is this shit just too weird? Am I just being too much right now? But then everyone's just like, no, like I love it. You know what's cool though? Is that it's so unique that you stand out as like the weird shop and like yeah. people will gravitate towards that. Uh -huh. Like, oh, you want to go to this place? Let's, you know, have, let's share this experience. Yeah. Dude, as long as a guy that looks like Jared Leto with a white robe come, doesn't come out, <laughs> dude, I think you're good. You haven't, <laughs> you yeah. haven't crossed the weird area. We have people that come in and like, you know, we point them out, like, please take your shoes off over here. But people come in, they, they kind of bow their head. Like, oh, it's nice to meet you. Like, it's so cool here. It's like, it's so peaceful. It like, That's awesome. You can speak a normal tone when you come in. Yeah, here. like yeah. you just talk, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing you say that though, it just made me think about the client that I just had here that we were sitting here for five or six hours and we barely said one word to each other. The <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's an awesome thing too. Right. And the guy's like, at the, I mean, you heard him. He's like, Oh, I, you know, I got one other tattoo. He got tattooed by Gian Carle. He's like, I got this piece by Gian. Um, I really love it, but I just really, really like coming to Matt and getting, you know, this is his third tattoo that he's gotten by me. And hearing what you're saying right now, I'm like, why does he want to keep coming back? <laughs> it's so boring getting tattooed by me. I'm not talking to you at all. Or so, sometimes it's just the energy. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can just be there for them and not make the silence awkward. You know, and some people, they are socially, artists are more introverted. So they just like, sometimes don't want to talk. They want to put headphones on or whatever. And everyone can do their own thing. But some clients, perhaps for yours, it's like, I just like someone who's just, I'm, I'm okay with being around. He's not weird. Yeah. And that's just enough of a bond and conversation because they've been to other shops where it's been an off energy. And we feed off of that. And we're going to look at a tattoo and always remember the energy, the feeling of the space and what they went through. Yeah. I've gotten that before also where uh, a girl would be like, I'm just glad that you're not trying to hit on me while you're tattooing yeah. me. So I'll keep coming back. Yeah, of that. Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> for you guys like here, like how, what was it like for you? Like coming up into tattooing, did, did you maintain the same sort of experience? Like <sighs> this was what I came up in tattooing with and this is what I want to continue. Or did you make some adjustments along the way? You know, when No Idol started, it started with multiple people kind of all trying to agree on something. You know, it was like a collective of people. And then slowly, as more people started working with us, you know, it became everybody votes, you know. And then now looking back at it, I'd see how like. How stupid that was. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm like, oh, man, that just didn't make any sense, you know, because even, it, no matter if you're in uh it, there's always somebody that's kind of going to take the yeah. lead. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. going to take the lead naturally, you know? And I just happen to be that person that I was like, all right, well, I'm going to handle these things and I want to do these things. So that was our, for the first no idols, this shop from it, the beginning to the end, from picking the place, it was all I was like, I, I see, I have a vision of this place, you know? And it looked completely different than it has now. But when you just said this of like, is it, it's my version of like what my like, tattoo fantasy mind thought was cool when I first started tattooing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's funny. Cause like at one point I was like, I want to work at a shop that has like fine art on the walls, you know? And now I'm like, Oh man, there's nothing fucking cooler than a fucking tattoo shop that has a bunch of tat shit on the walls. I love that, you yeah. know? And that's kind of where I started a place that had a bunch of tattoo stuff everywhere. And you know, like I have a vision over the shop of like, we don't play fucking music that screams. I don't want, it should be all the good vibes when you walk in, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So like, I love to play things that just feel good music, you know? And I feel like a lot of the music from like the, the, the seventies, the sixties, the like anything from like the hippie shit to like the disco shit, like, you know, funk shit that just feels good and happy. It's the environment that I want people to walk into because like, like what I think, 
getting tattooed, super intimidating. Walking mm-hmm. into a tattoo shop, super intimidating. So it's like, you know, somebody walks into a shop, you know, and the first thing that they hear is fucking Slayer fucking going. And I was like, yeah, we love it maybe. And it's cool. And I like Slayer, but that's not necessarily what you want to, the average tattoo person, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's never walked into a shop. I don't think that that's like the environment that you need to portray. The first guy that I worked for, he, I, I started tattooing when I was 20 years old. I was young. I was into like hardcore music. I was, you know, in a screamo band and that's what I wanted to listen to all the time. And I felt like a tattoo shop, you know, we're, we're, we're heavy in here. Then we should be listening to, we should pump it really loud. But the owner of the shop, he wasn't that old. He was maybe in his forties at the time, but he would throw on doo-wop. He would throw on like all this stuff from the fifties, just like acapella stuff. I'm like, bro, you're killing the vibe. (laughs) But it took me a while to realize like, it's not about how we want the atmosphere to be, or it's like, how can we make the customer feel comfortable? That's exactly it. And they're trying to be in the zone, right? They're trying to focus somehow to get through this very painful experience. And if the music is going up and it's going down, then it's changing genres. And that's what used to happen. Like people were hijacking the music. Yeah. You know, so I, I worked at shops where like, it'd just be like hip hop one day and then gangster rap another moment. And then it'd be like some classic rock and then it'd be some instrumental stuff. And you're just trying to, you as the artists are trying to stay in flow state. Yeah. So you can create, then you're getting frustrated and irritated and you're doing this permanent, you know, artwork on somebody. Mm-hmm. So I just had to come up with the decision of like, there has to be a general genre of music. So we have an upside playlist that we can add stuff to it, but I have to feel it out. And over time we've, we've progressed where now it's maybe like an hour's worth of music and we shuffle it all the time. It's the Andy approval. Yeah. So everyone can bring the suggestions and we'll try it out. But then you'll just hear at some point we're like too much hand pans. We can't do <laughs> hand pans. And you're like, that one's too mellow. Like who's singing in the song right now? Cut the song out. And over time we just feel like, can everyone agree on this? And we say, yeah, cool. Then we can continue to add to it. Does it ever feel too corporate like that though? Like I, I can almost imagine it. Like if you walk into a, like a, um, like a department store mm-hmm. and you're always hearing the same tr- uh, soundtrack over and yeah. over again. Like I always think about the employees who have to work in there and listen to it all day long. Like you ever watch, um, uh, what was that movie with a uh, 40 year old version where they're walking in like the Best Buy type of store yeah, yeah. and they're always complaining about that one music video that's uh-huh. always playing. <laughs> we, we have those where like some songs will come on there and we're just like, they'll hum to it a certain way or they'll just start laughing about it. But then we have these off days where we're just painting or drawing or something. And we play some music on and it's like, yeah, I'm glad we don't play this every day. It's nice every once <laughs> yeah. in a while because we have to remember like we have to, everyone has to like some sort of music that we can play, you know, consistently without him like, can someone change this? Or like, who put this song on? It's like, can we all just like, just focus and just do the work? Yeah. And at that point, like clients come in, they're like, this is the vibe that I'm looking for. And it's just like, yeah, people say it is like a spa. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You know, because you've never left the spa and like, I hate this. Oh, this is so, <laughs> oh, this is too relaxing. <laughs> <bro>. <laughs> But people come in, it's like, oh, this is what I wanted. Like you know, their work is stressful. Their life's already stressful. Then now they get to come in like, this is a relaxing day for them. You know, th- yeah. this is their me day. It's kind of like when, you know, some girls go out to get their nails and like everyone just comes to get tattooed. This is their, their new time that you disconnect and you connect with your artists. It's cool. They, they like it. I like it. You ever get clients? Cause I've had people who like, they'll, they'll put out their own music on because maybe they're not vibing with what's playing like on the speakers here. Yeah. Um, like, what do you say? Like, does anybody ever say like, oh man, I just need something heavy right now to kind of get me through this tough part that's really hurting. No, so most people, if they are in pain, you just see them just kind of just drop in. We just call it like, it's kind of like forced meditation where they just kind of close their eyes. And it, it most, we've, we don't really have clients that tap out anymore. It's so strange how that happens. And um, I just attribute it to like a lot of those different things. And they get a welcome letter before they come in. So it's like, here's what to expect when you come to Upside. And, you know, we get lunch for them and, they, they know to wear their best socks because their shoes are going to be off, you know? So um, they just know that there's no headphones, there's no movies, there's no books. So they come in ready for that. And there's no question when they come in, they're like, I like this, this is calm. And we, we, they share a little bit about that in the gratitude circle. So they come in, they're like, I had no idea what to expect. I read the welcome letter and I couldn't find the sign because we don't have a sign outside. And they finally found the door that said upside tattoo and it's locked. And then someone opens in, they just feel welcomed and calm. And they share that nervousness when they come in, like, I feel completely ready to get tattooed now. That's I, have, I haven't heard anyone complain about the music. And more people are like, what is this song? Is this a playlist? And it's like, <laughs> we'll send it to you. It's right on our Instagram. Can you talk more about that welcome meeting that you guys do? Because I think that's really cool. Like, uh, is it 
Does, so does everybody, every artist start at the same time and all the clients walk in at the same time and yeah. everybody meets together? Yeah. So it's a, it's a four day work week. It's from Tuesday to Friday. You can work on Saturday or Sunday also, but we, we try to keep it to the same four days. And then once they come in, clients typically come at 1030, we call it like a settle in window. So from 1030 to 11, mm-hmm. um, some clients come late. Uh, they need a little bit of time to, you know, finish eating their food or, you know, just we offer them tea, whatever the artist gets to show them, the. Uh, the design, they put the stencil on. Then at 11 o'clock, we all have like a gratitude circle. So they all sit in the middle together and we just kind of introduce the day, you know? So it's like, all right, so we're just going to start with a little bit of breath work, gratitude share to just kind of relieve any tension, uh, any nervousness. And we're just going to do three deep breaths together. Uh, I'll guide and demonstrate it. We'll go through a gratitude prompt. And then we all do these three deep breaths. They're holding it, they're releasing. I guide them to mentally think about a gratitude moment recently that they had. It's like, where were they? Who were they with? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? And we really just get him to visualize. And once you're ready, you open your eyes. You have a sharing stick. We pass it around. You say your name. And it's like, what's your gratitude? I was so happy yesterday when I came home and I got to see my daughter. She ran into my arms. And it was just a beautiful moment after a very long day. Next person will share something about, you know, their friend or their mom or whatever else. And it's like, oh, everyone's going through these, this human experience. Yeah. And you get to know everyone's names. And then by the end of that, it's like some tattoo shops or some days where it's like, you're in the same space with somebody getting tattooed all day, but you have no idea who they are, what their name is. And it's just like nice tattoo, you know, but here, like everyone's just, they know each other right at the beginning of the day. They know they're about to go through this transformative experience. So now when we're going through the rest of it, like everyone just becomes like friends and family right from the beginning. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah that's, that's awesome. So cool. You know, like, cause like I've worked with people that are, you know, and I still work with them because, you know, like I think you're like that. Gabe's like that, you know, where, if we have a client, you know, we'll come over to you and we're like, Hey dude, check what I'm doing today. This is Matt. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'll introduce you to them. And all of a sudden they feel like, Oh, I'm part of this group. You know, it's creating that environment, you know? And like your client, when he got here today, he like chilled with me outside. We talked about tattoos a little bit more about what he was going to get. And he was like, you want me to buy you a coffee, dude? I'm like, sure, dude. And you know, and then we just, and I remembered him from the last time that you tattooed him, you know? And like anything, you know, like everybody wants to go to the bar where people know your name, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like having that immediately, you know, and in, and in your shop, you know, creating that environment where that's promoted, like of like, um, sometimes when even you have clients that connect, you know, and they're like, oh man, like I just had such a great time, met somebody new, met these group of people. We all shared things that were positive and like uh, having saying and putting positive words out into the world, bro. It just makes you feel fucking good, man. I just thought of the funniest thing. Do you guys have a Facebook page or like a Facebook group? Uh, no, we don't. Man, how amazing would it be if you had like your own, this upside tattoo, right? Yeah. Upside mingle, where like all the clients who get together in yeah. the shop, like they start dating one another. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not the date, I don't know, whatever it is, but yeah, just getting them to sort of connect. Outside. Connect, yeah. yeah. A forum, a oh. forum of all sorts where people could just, you know, connect, you know? Cause like you have a very special thing going, you know, man. Yeah. Well, t- with tattooing already, like they see all the work that you do online. And if they meet in person, they're like, you're the one with that rose and yeah. tattoo. Like <laughs> I've seen that online and like, what's your name? You know, and they just get to know each other through that. So yeah, having some sort of connection, I think is, is great. Like, I don't, I think that's been missing for, for some instances in my career of like, I wanted to bring that personal aspect back where yeah. it's not just like, what do you want to get? Here's how much it is. Come in, get tattooed and we're done. Yeah. And then it just feels empty. Like you're just working just to work. Yeah. Versus now, like, you know, our clients become friends, they become family. And I like that so much more. It just feels so much more um, fulfilling, more rewarding. I think it's literally necessary at this point in our industry to really go back to that. Because at this point, especially like if you're in a big city, like in New York city, you can walk that way, be in a really good tattoo shop, walk that way, be in a really good tattoo shop. You can, if you want a sick traditional tattoo, there's so many fucking people you could get it from, but what will make that person want to get it from you? Yeah. You know? Why go to you? What makes you different? What, what makes, makes you, you different, dude? Yeah. There's so many people that can do a good tattoo nowadays, yeah. you know? And that's part of what I try to get tattoo artists to understand, even when it comes to the social media aspect. Like if you're only posting tattoo work, like you're just, com- you're just competing based off of a product and a service that you have to offer. So it's like, why should people go to you? And the word of mouth is great because people will talk about who you are and the experience, but at least on the social media part, it's just 
the tattoo. Yeah. But now when artists gets to share a bit of their personality or what they're doing, you know, it's people can get to know them a little bit more. They build the like, knowing the trust factor. And then the clients go like, Oh, I actually like that person. Like I can, I'm, I don't, some clients just don't know what you look like. Yeah. They don't know what you sound like. So they come in and they're nervous. Like, are you Matt? <laughs> oh my God, I thought you were going to be this really weirdo or whatever it is. And it's like, no, like I'm, I'm just a regular person and I'm cool. Hopefully, you know? So you put yourself out there. It's so much more easier for people to connect with you as a person. And then you just happen to do that too. Yeah. I think that's, it's huge. And Man, this whole conversation is making me rethink my entire outlook on how to become a tattooer. That's awesome. How, but, how, how to what? How to like be a good tattooer. How to be a good tattooer. Because uh, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that you have to be like friends with every one of your clients. Agreed. Yeah. But they should feel comfortable getting tattooed by you. They should want to come in and be like, I can really hang out with this guy for six hours out of my day and not feel like weirded out or yeah. you know, like just enjoy myself being in this guy's company. For sure. For sure. Like, uh, I had that conversation with a, with a tattooer and, uh, it's somebody that I, I like hanging out with super fun person, but then with his customers, they don't see that side of them at all. You know, like he treats them more of like what we're talking, like it's a product is a transaction. It's a product, you know, and you got it. I got paid. Well, thanks. You know, can, you know where to find me. Thank you. You know, I'm like, man, like, you know, like you're, you're losing part of what makes you a fucking great person to hang out with, man, which is your personality. You know, you can't just, you know, but how do you, how do you tell, explain that to someone? It's like, Hey man, it's not just the product. You know, most people buy things for emotional reasons. And most of the time it's like that, um, that satisfaction from what they buy lasts a small amount of time, but who sold it to them could last a really long time. Then oh, I'm going to always go back there. Cause that yeah. guy's awesome. If you're not able to pull that out of yourself and not be able to break your own walls. Cause I feel like that's what it is. You've created a wall mentally of like, I can't let people into mm. more of me or share more of myself or whatever, you know, to be able to uh, connect or it could just be something as simple as like, you don't have the conversational skills to, yeah. to just do that, you know, yeah, inability to communicate. Yeah. And then I know there's also some clients out there who are just like, I don't give a shit. I just want a good tattoo. Yeah. But I've also known clients who have lasered off really good tattoos from really well-known tattoo artists because like, I just hated the experience. Yeah. And I have to wear this and I have to remember how I was treated and how I felt that day. I'd rather not have that happen. And I'd like it to be a a good experience overall. So let me just connect with you and ensure at least you can have a good time here. Yeah. You know, and if you don't want to have a conversation, that's cool too. I've had plenty of times where my clients just sit there in the chair quietly and I can just be there and just do the tattoo. I'm fine. I don't need to have conversations with everybody, but if you're open to it, great. Like there's so much interesting things about people and I love, I can learn through every single conversation that I have. Um, So I always just want to just connect and just learn and talk to people. Well, fuck yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. Um, I like, I still love tattooing and I feel like every, you know, like just like, Matt, you're a great tattooer. You're just like, man, I feel like I need to like, readjust the way I tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Look at what I'm doing. It's like, and I know you're not talking about like how you tattoo, but just the experience experience. that you're creating when you tattoo, because that's such a a long lasting experience. There's plenty of tattooers that suck, but they give amazing experience to their fucking clients. They will always be busy. Always. They always be great. They're not even on Instagram. These guys, they don't give a shit, dude, but everybody in their towns, knows them and they think they're great and braves about them. Now here's, here's where this really matters. Where people will start to notice is when you're not busy, when it is slowing down and you're trying to get more clients. Well, how do I like, why is it a slow season or it's a recession? Like, I don't believe that that should be a reason for you to not have clients or to not be busy. There's always clients who there's always people who want tattoos. There's always people with money. How do you get yourself out there to get to know them? You know, and just over time, like, if you don't have that personable skill to be able to get referrals and get yourself known out there, like you're going to lose a certain client base over time. So I just think it is important to have that because when it does come and it's happened, that's why people reach out to me. Like even some of the best tattoo artists in terms of quality of work, who've been doing it for a long time, they're struggling to find clients. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's your experience been like? Like, how are you reaching back out to them and connecting with them? Uh, what is your social media presence like? If it's just a transaction or service and that's what you provide on your, your social media platform or you don't really give more outside of the transaction, 
it's going to be hard for you to continue to build that up. Yeah. And it become forgettable at that, at that time. Yeah. And with your current client base, there's going to come a point where they stop getting tattooed also. So you'll always need to like find a way to get more new people, you know? So people get filled up, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, people get filled yeah, up. people get filled up. Yeah. One of my best clients, you know, we, you know, we're finishing is like, uh, arm now. So I've done arm leg, leg. Now we're going other arm and then there's back and front. And then I'm like, fuck dude. Yeah. The time is coming. <laughs> and they stop coming back and you stop hanging out and having yeah, those conversations. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad when I finish like a large scale project, a sleeve or something. It's like you were here every month and then now you're just not going to be here anymore. Yeah. Uh, but that also happens when like clients move, they get married, they have kids or they get divorced or they die. Like yeah. people just stop coming back. Yeah. Um, I shared that story on my, my social not too long ago. One of the most memorable conversations I had um, I was tattooing two clients back to back or like every other weekend. So Justin was one day, Donnie was another day, Justin and then Donnie. And I was tattooing Donnie and I was like, Hey, I just went to a candle lighting for someone, you know? And I was like, who? He was like, Justin. You're like, what? And we both just kind of looked at each other, just kind of like nervously smiled. I was like, show me something, show me a flyer, show me like, and he showed me a picture, you know, rest in peace, Justin. Oh, and no. I was like, what happened? I said, oh, he went ATVing on the sand dunes and he just kind of fell off of it. And you just got- The crushed. ATV got him. I was like, damn, I just saw him last week. But it was just one of like the best conversations. Like, you know, if just people just don't come back. Yeah. And um, we, we had the conversation of like, damn, at least he died doing what he loved. And that just put us on this trajectory of just like thinking about like, what are we doing with our lives? That, you know, are we really living it to the most? And he did, he, he lived it doing the most. So he ended up just, you know, opening his own photography and videography agency. And I just continued to pursue tattooing. So that just put a whole new perspective on it. Like how powerful is that, you know, to just have a loss of a client and then just now have to like rethink your own life's purpose. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just had that with a man, uh, a client shared that with me. He had a family member pass away and they were like that moment really just lit something in me where I was like, you know, he was working in corporate America. And at that moment he was like, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to spend my time in. Like time is limited and this is not what I want to spend my time, you know? And just completely just hit that. I'm going somewhere else, you know, and went from being in corporate America to freaking being like a boat captain, you know, it's what fulfills him, lives a happy life because of it, you know, but it's like something extreme had to happen in his life to really push him to be like, wait, what am I doing? I've been following, you know, I've been on this hamster wheel, just going through the motions, you know, to then like, I'm going to make some extreme changes, you know? And like, uh, I've, I feel like as for myself, I feel like I'm kind of been in that spot in the last, you know, 12 months of my life. What spot is that? Like complacent? Of like, um, not complacent, but when you're feeling like it's time to change something, mm. you know, like I need to change something. I'm still trying to figure out what that something necessarily is, you know, like, uh, I think some of the videos, you know, that resonated with me when like you started, started coming up in my feed a lot with like the things that you were posting, you know, like substance abuse things, you know what I'm saying? Like some people struggle with that. And like, I'm someone that I've always, I don't get hangovers like a crazy person, but I can drink a lot and then tomorrow be fucking fine. So I've never felt like it's a problem for yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? But ultimately when I've considered of like, well, I still, I still devote time to do this yeah. and time is being spent and time is a very limited thing. You know, it's like, am I really focusing my time on the most valuable things that I think in my life, you know? And those are the things that I'm like, oh man, maybe I need to change my habits because my fat, my habits are going to form who I'm going to be mm -hmm. in the next years. You know, it's like, that's the part where it's like, oh man, I need to change something, you know? Yeah. yeah your habits determine your future. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you do on a regular basis, what you're, you're, uh, spending your time and your energy on. And um, for me, I always think of it like, is it building you up or is it breaking you down? You know, and you'll know through your regret, you'll think about that later. Like, am I addicted to this thing or am I spending my time wisely? If you have to question it, then you're not. You know? How much do you hate yourself after you're done doing that thing? I do that all the time. Yeah. Like, I'll be laying in bed, scrolling through Instagram, just watching these stupid reels and like an hour will pass by. I'm like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I could have been drawing. I could have been doing something productive. Like I'm just sitting here like a mope watching these stupid videos and I hate myself for it after yeah. that. So then it's like, what do you do to actually change that? And if you don't, then you just end up having that feeling all the time. Yeah. You're scrolling through it. So social media is one of those things of like, you can actually curate 
what you're going to watch and see. So if you end up like getting lost in things that don't build you up or they, they don't, you know, excite you or, or do anything like that's positive for you, then you can change that. I, I love the feature where you can like snooze all the suggested posts. You can oh, mark things thing that's ever. not interested. So now my explore page is not just a bunch of random things anymore. It's like things related to tattooing, fitness, mindset, or business. And if I do happen to get lost, like I'm learning along the way. So now every time that I'm on there, it's like, it's building me up. Right. You know, and on some of those pages, it's like, if you're screen sucking, you're just scrolling, like get the fuck off. I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I, I, I absorbed <laughs> yeah. what I needed. I'm going to get off now and go actually apply all these. I things. made one of those posts for the podcast a couple of months ago because of that feeling, the way that I was doing, I wrote like, stop scrolling and draw something. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and it got a lot of responses too. like people like, oh, fuck, thank you for saying thank that. Because, yeah. yeah. Go, go to Spotify, listen to our podcast and then go draw. Yeah. I was the same way, even when it came to things like running. Um, I was literally, I enjoyed running, but I was literally running away from art. I would much rather, and I was contemplating running a hundred miles. I was looking at people who were running across the US and that was so much more um, achievable and attainable than actually studying anatomy, perspective, painting. And there was one year where I ran 550Ks and I was getting ready to do another one. And my wife is like, Are you nervous? And I'm like, no. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I know I been saying I wanted to study art. I wanted to paint and draw. And on the day that I was supposed to do a 50K with, um, with one of my friends, I was like, how about if we just painted for seven hours instead? And he was like, I've never painted for seven hours before. I was like, well, let's do it. The time that we were going to run at 4 a.m., let's meet together at my house. We'll set up easel and stuff and we'll, we'll just create art. And that was like the most challenging thing for us artistically was to do this giant thing over the course of seven hours. We tattoo for eight hours a day. It's not that yeah. hard, but it was something that was new. And I was like, oh, I'm literally running away from something that I should be doing. So then I just ended up, instead of devoting an hour or two every day to running, it was an hour every morning to study color, whether it was through pastels or painting or studying anatomy an hour every day. And then now I was building myself up again. So it's just a matter of like, just understanding what are you running from? And are those things gonna build you up or break you down? And I just had to always, I question everything that I do all the time because it's like, is this helpful? Is this how I wanna spend the rest of my life? Is it, is it a goal worth achieving? Yeah. You know, and if I can look at it that way, I'm gonna always do some things that align with like my purpose. And I'm gonna feel fulfilled by the end of every day because like I've tapped into my potential. I go to sleep exhausted. Like as soon as I go to bed, I can probably count to 10 and it's lights out. I don't struggle to sleep like I used to because I didn't feel fulfilled before. I was just kind of like doing tattoos, coming home. I was smoking, I was drinking. I was, you know, just watching movies. And it was like, you lay in bed and you didn't deplete all your energy yet. Yeah. Versus now, like I tried hard every single day, no matter what it was. Like every tattoo I'm super excited and thrilled about where I don't take it on. You know, why waste your time doing anything that you're not excited about? I, I saw this quote, like a, a, a short reel that was like Rogan on an episode talking to somebody. And it was all about like, uh, like whenever something's happening to you, just say good, you know, and just move forward for it. Like accept it. Be like, good. Oh, with now, Jocko? Jocko Willing? I think so. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. you know, when something's going down and like, oh man, this is gonna, good. Good. <laughs> good that that happened. You know, there's a reason for it. And I'll just power through that thing. Yeah. You know, just accept it. Yeah. Accept it and go. Yeah. It's like, what's in your control and what's not? If it's not in your control, don't waste any time or energy on it. And if it is within your control, like, can you actually take action and do something about it? So it's like with you guys for the podcast, I don't know what that was like to actually get that out and going, but there's plenty of people who talk about doing it. It's a nice idea, but you guys spent the time to actually go and do it. And now it's just this fun thing that you guys feel thrilled and excited about. And yeah. it just reaches so many people. It impacts a lot. So, you know, this is one of the things that I'm sure you don't regret that you have fun and you want to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'll be honest, you know, there's days where, you know, we tattooed like six hours, you know, all day long and I'm fucking beat and. Matt's already got the podcast set up and I'm literally finishing a tattoo, like the opposite of what happened today, right? Yeah. He's like, finish the tattoo right into the podcast or the opposite. And I'm like, oh my God, my brain is like fried <laughs> from tattooing, like, you know, but like, it'll take me a little bit to get into the swing. And after I do, I feel good, you yeah. know? But it was like to get over that mental hump of like, oh man, I'm so fucking mentally tired. I'm just tired. And like, I want to you know, I, I've said it before and we, we have done a couple of weeks where we just didn't record, but I've said it before. I was like, it's too easy to get into the swing of not doing something. Yeah. So as long as you just keep that momentum going, it's just easy to you know keep it going. Yeah. But once you take a break, a break for two weeks, like you just start to get complacent, not doing it. And then there you go. Just it, it stops. Loses momentum. Yeah. Yeah. That's with everything. 
yeah. with everything. Yeah. And um, man, I just remember when you have, the, you always have to have something to pursue. And whenever that thing becomes too easy, like you get bored, you start to seek pleasures and you just start to like destroy it. You go down to like this destructive path of just doing things that aren't productive anymore. Yes. So when you first start to get into tattooing, like you, you lived it, you breathed it, you slept it, you dreamt about it and you'd wake up and you'd be excited. Then at some point you normalize it and it's like, well, now what, what's my purpose? Like, what, what do I do? That's going to thrill me. So for you guys, it's like the podcast, like yeah. now this is, this is exciting. And then at some point this is going to be like, okay, you've gotten to the rhythm. It's a swing of things. Like you still have more energy now. It's like, what else can you continue to pour that into? And it may be at a time where, you know, it's maybe into family or maybe it's opening another shop. Like we always have to find new ways to push ourselves and we're going to feel tired, but we're going to feel rewarded and fulfilled that like we've used our potential. It's the same thing with like working out. Like if you go to workout and you're not really exhausted from it, do you feel good? Like you've never felt worse after workout. Oh, you may feel tired, but- <laughs> because of that effort, that exhaustion, like you feel good, you've done something like challenging and difficult. We have, as human beings, we always have to have something to pursue. One of the worst things is when you go to have a workout, but you don't give it your all. And then at the end of it, you're like, I wasted my time. I didn't push myself. Yeah, Yeah. you're like, fuck, I just wasted my time. I didn't even push myself, Yeah, you know? And I feel like it's like the worst thing. Like if you do a tattoo and you're like, oh man, I, you know, you feel that guilt. Like I could have, I could have done better, you know? And like, if you're a tattooer, you don't feel that way. You're not going to get better. Yeah. You know, you should always look at yourself like, fuck, you should be your worst critic every time. Yeah. yeah. There are people who just don't even criticize or think about their own work. They're, yeah, I did a great job today. And you get to a point where you're technically skilled. But like you said, if you don't look at something, you're like, you have to find something. I, I hate something about every tattoo that I do. Oh yeah, me too. I'll look at something that's like, could I have made something different or better. And it's the same thing when I'm looking at somebody else's tattoo, like a productive way to use Instagram is like, if you're scrolling through tattoos, instead of just scrolling at it, like break it down. Like, what do you like about this thing? What do you not like about it? And I think there's so many great tattoos out there now that I'm probably scrolling past a lot more, Mm -hmm. but I stop at the ones that catch my attention. And I'm like, what is it about this piece that has my attention? And I'll study it and I'll absorb it. I'm like, is there something about this that I can apply or change in my work? You know, and as we begin to find more of like the things we like and the things we don't like, that's how like our style continues to evolve. And that's like style of tattooing and style of living as well. Yeah. You know, like the way that you tattoo, I'm sure it comes from a long history of decisions of like, I didn't like that about my tattoo. I like that about my tattoo. I like that about that other artist's work. And then you integrate it and it becomes uniquely yours. Yeah, exactly. It's the same when someone else is showing me their tattoo before I can even critique it, I need to know like, what do you like about it? And what, what don't you like? So at least I have a baseline Yeah. because if you have a very specific reason for why you did something and that's your style, like I can tell you, I don't like it, but if you have a very definitive reason, like I like that for that reason, it's artist objective. Like that's fine. I can just only give you my opinion. It's the same with my work too. Like if I'm going to show somebody my tattoo, I don't want to hear like, that's cool or that's sick. Tell me what about it specifically that you like. Yeah. And I remember like when I was going to tattoo conventions, there are some people who look and go, wow, look at that negative or the way that you did this or that. And like, you caught that. Yeah. Like that's where I put my that time my intent. Or I didn't even know I did that. Like you caught that on. But if someone can't look at something or I even like, like, well, why did you do that? That's helpful to me to just rethink my composition, my design, my shading, whatever it is. So it always has to come from a place where, you know, I do some critiques and guidance for tattoo artists also. It's like, first tell me why you think this is good and why it's not good. And then I can move forward from there. And then like, I have to be super nitpicky after that because if you don't, it's kind of like the thing of like, you're just being too nice. You're being too compassionate. How are you going to get better? Do you just want to hear that you're doing good or do you actually want to get better? Yeah. Why even ask me? Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to get your ego fluff, just ask your client what they, if they like the tattoo. Yeah. They're like, I fucking love it. You know, they but, love it. But some artists don't even like that because then the clients would be like, so what's that? <laughs> like, well, that's the way that I did it. It's like, the client is just asking. He is asking. Don't, yeah. don't, get, don't get defensive, man. So um, by you saying, let me know what you like about this piece, what you don't like about it before you critique it. It reminded me of a video I sent to John. I kind of wish that you would have watched this. There's a guy on YouTube. He goes by Sam does art and uh, he's a phenomenal artist and he does these critiques every now and then. So he has a Patreon page. The Patreon page has his own discord 
whatever it is, yeah. Discord. Server. Private Discord group. group. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Discord group, people will submit their artwork looking to get critiqued, but he'll do that exact thing. He'll say, what is it that you don't like about this? Or where do you think your problems are? And then he'll take the, he'll take the artwork. And uh, one of the videos I just watched is he'll put a timer on his phone. Be like, look, I'll change the problems that you're having right now within five minutes. And uh, a lot of times it's with the liquify tool on procreate and he'll just like move things around like proportions or anatomy. But um, that, that, you know, precedent of like, Hey, this is why I think that, you know, something's wrong. I just don't know how to fix it. Can you help me with this specific thing? That's clutch right there. Yeah. Um, I came from the world of realism. So just, you know, looking at photos and rendering it and everyone has their own way of doing it. But when someone asked me like, Hey, what do you think of this tattoo? Like, what is your goal? Is it to copy the photo exactly? Because if so, I can call out a lot of things that are not exactly that for that. Mm -hmm. right. But if you wanted to stylize the hair or the eyebrows or whatever it is, then like, I can't say that that's wrong. Like, that's just your style. If you can do a certain technique or aesthetic over and over, then that becomes a skill that becomes your style. But if you accidentally get hair super smooth one day, then it's super blocky another day. Like you haven't quite figured it out yet. So you just have to also know like from that person's uh, body of work and their experience, like is, is that something that they can actually uh, replicate over and over yep. uh, certain thing? I'm just looking at your hair and I'm just seeing like how I would shade that. But if I could redo that sort of style of hair and a tattoo over and over, then that just becomes a skill. If it's once in a while, then like you don't have the technical ability to do that. Oh, show. Yeah. Awesome, man, man. I feel like we talked about so many good things today. It feels good. good. Man. Yeah. I, after every episode, I always walk out of here feeling pumped, but this one, not only do I feel pumped, I feel inspired. Like you, yeah. like you, you're coaching just, even though you didn't really coach us, like, I feel like I was in a class with you. I, I feel like I was a student. I feel like I was coached. Awesome. Today. So one of the things I like to say is like, you know, you turn the inspiration into action. And then when I coach people, it's getting very clear on what are the actionable tasks. So I'll ask you guys that like, so based off of this, like, what would you actually do differently? And it's not just like the theory of, oh, I would, you know, uh, improve my, my client experience. Like what are the actual things that you would do in the different areas that you would perhaps change or do better? So one thing that I have been working on, one of the reasons why I agreed to do the podcast, cause I always felt that my communication skills weren't that great. So I thought that let me put myself out there, force myself to have these conversations to be a better communicator. Now I'm going to start bringing that to my client and forcing conversation with my client because that's why I don't really talk to anybody. So I always felt like I just didn't have either the vocabulary or I didn't have the skills to actually keep a conversation going. So uh, that's, I'm going to, there you go. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. To see that. Yeah. So just being able to identify, like, here's what I'm going to do differently. Like, you know, that now that's in the back of your head. And every time you engage with the client, like that's going to be your baseline. Yeah. yeah. That's great to hear, man. Man. Like it's funny. Cause I, I just started reading a book about having better improving your conversation skills, you know? And like, it's pretty funny because like it uses a lot of uh, things that people you learn when they're doing improv because every conversation, it's kind of an, it's an improv and it's like a, you know, I don't know what you're going to say and you don't know what I'm, how I'm going to react to what you say. But it's all about like uh, finding a balance of exchanging, you know, words and communication or whatever, but also keeping the other person engaged in the conversation and talking. Yeah. And a lot of that comes with like, you know, either somebody says something interesting and you want to one validate what they say and then add a little bit to what they say, you know, and that keeps the person open. You know, yeah. it's like if somebody says something and you immediately go, yeah, but you know, right. that, but is such a combative word. It closes it off. It closes it off. You should always say yes and. Yes and, you know? And it's something so small, but like in application, you realize how much it does keep the conversation going. And then you don't know where that conversation can lead to, yeah. you know? But it's like little things like that. And I feel like, man, too many people don't, you know, I've always been like one of those people that consumes like information on like, so many different subjects, whether it is like, how can I improve my conversation skills? How can I, you know, people will get always triggered about like selling and things like that. I feel like everything in the world is kind of selling something, you know, selling an idea, selling yourself, selling your work. You're going to have to sell it, yeah. you know, at any point in time. So learning how to sell something, you know, like they'll look, 
sell me this pen. You know, we know that line, you know, it's so classic, but that skill of being able to just like, give me anything. And I'm going to be able to talk to you about it. Like I know about it and get you like excited about it. It's one of the most powerful things you can have in the world. Getting a people to believe in you, getting people to be like, Oh man, I don't know what this guy's selling, but I want to buy it. Dude. Yeah. Like that's one of the biggest skills that you can have in the world, dude. And I think like being able to just recognize like, man, like what you're saying, like, I'm not good at this and I should try to be better at this. Yeah. That's the hardest part, yeah. you know? And that's the hardest road to take, whether it is like you saying like, you know what? I've run 50, you know, five, how many, 50 how, K's. 50Ks this year. I'm pretty good at these, but I haven't painted for seven hours. So I'm going to push myself to do something that's going to make me make, be slightly uncomfortable is the hardest thing to do. And I feel like no matter where you're at, find what that thing is for you and figure out a way to overcome it, you know? Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, all the time, man. That's why, you know, I like, if I'm going to be on Instagram and I'm going to consume content, I'll consume shit like what you say. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, thank you. Because that keeps me pumped and it keeps me on the in the path that I want to pursue, you know? And I think like uh, social media is great. Some people think terribly of social media, but it's because most of them don't, you know, they're either just mindless consuming. You're using it the right way. You're not it's using it the tool. right way. It's a tool, yeah. you know, it's just a tool. I got to be the big man and start deleting all of the naked ladies. <laughs> <Instagram feed. laughs> it's crazy. Cause like, it's, you don't even have to like a photo. Dude. I know, dude. It's even if you just stop for a second there, they're like, Oh, he we got his attention. Yeah. There's a timer that goes on. Like when you stop to look at a photo or you read a caption a little longer, it's like, there's a timer going like, oh, he likes it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's dude. all I get. Now. It's so crazy. <laughs> That's why I'm on it for hours. At a time. <laughs> oh man. Well, shit, man. Look, most of the time we, we, we like, we do like 45 minutes, you know, we're like an hour and, 20. Yeah. No, this is good. Well, also we had that like 15 minute blunder in the beginning too. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, shit, man. Um, first dude, thank you for doing what you're doing, man. Cause you're inspiring people. You're inspiring me and I'm sure you're touching a lot of people out there. And I feel hopefully that a lot of people that watch your, you know, watch this podcast and heard some of our conversations. They feel the same way that I feel right now in person when I feel like, you know, I got the first row seat, you know? Yeah. You're welcome. So. Thank you. Yeah. What I imagine is like, there were plenty of times in my life where I didn't have the guidance or support that I needed, you know, that I wanted. And I just want to be there for people who just need help also. And I think a lot of people just don't know how to ask for help or where to look. So it's like our purpose, our goal is to just be the best version of ourselves and then just share that with the world. If we can do that, then we would just make our circle, our environment, our community that, that much more better. And it's nothing special other than just getting on social media and just posting what you care about, what you're passionate about. You just have to just continue doing that. And then it just makes this like ripple effect. You guys are just doing that here. Like, it's amazing what you guys are doing. So thank you for having, having me on here. It's yeah. a great platform. Thank you for coming. And uh, if people want to reach out to you, if people want to maybe join your mentor group or, you know, have you coach them, let me know. Cause <laughs> uh, how can people uh, reach you? Uh, on Instagram, Andy Foe, A-N-D-Y-P-H-O. Awesome, man. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming through today, man. Dude, it's an honor. Thank you for having me, John. Thank Appreciate you, guys. Appreciate you, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And guys- Thank you guys so much for always supporting us. Um, I want to just say, I appreciate all of your messages. If you see me on the street and you tell me that like, Hey man, I listen to your podcast. And I fucking love it. Like that shit, dude, it really motivates me and it keeps me excited and keeps us wanting to keep doing this because we do it because we love it. And like, uh, inspiring people to me, it's one of the best things you could do with your time in the world, man. If you can, create that ripple effect and affect somebody and be like, man, you see that one thing that one day and it really changed the course of, of where I was going. I think it's, it's one of great things. So thank you guys so much. One more thanks to all the supporters of our Patreon page too. We really appreciate all of that. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, go to www. What is it? Patreon.com slash honest tattooer. All right, guys have a good night. <laughs>